Welcome to Life on Mars, a podcast about technology, entrepreneurship, and innovation. You will listen to stories of the best founders, inventors, experts, and celebrities from all around the galaxy. Welcome, everyone, to Life on Mars, the Mars Space Podcast, where we talk innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. And this week, we're talking metal. You heard it right. We're talking metal. We're, talk we're talking music because this is this is a sector that not a lot of people talk about. And we're so used to talk about technology. We live in a bubble. The tech people will live in a bubble. We don't care about what's going on in the rest of the world. But in March space, we do care. There are other sectors that are uh, increasingly adopting new technologies. They're doing a lot of innovation, some of them forced because of whatever situation, maybe a pandemic or maybe maybe a, a change in the economic systems and whatnot. And and the, the metal or let's say the music landscape, it's often overlooked by all of these business podcasts because it looks like it's not a business, but it is a business. And tonight we've got here a very, very, very special um, um, a very special friend here. We've got Julien Touchon from the band Benighted. He's one of the co-founders of Benighted. Welcome to the show, Julien. How are you doing? Hey, Valadie. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, you know. Uh, staying at home, waiting. Uh, I'm actually on holidays, so I was supposed to be touring, but as everything is cancelled because of COVID, I, I just enjoy my free time. <laughs> um, just a little bit to give an introduction to the rest of the people. You are part of a I don't know how you would describe it, like brutal death metal slash grindcore. It's difficult to to, to describe yeah, yourselves. What would be the subgender that you play? Uh, most of the time, people say brutal death grind. It it works pretty well. It's a it's. I think it's the main uh, the main influence of uh, mu musically talking for the band. Let's let me play ten to fifteen seconds one of your songs so that the audience can hear what is this all about. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's rock. All right, all right. I think I don't know if you heard it because that's the thing with the with, with the streaming. Maybe I only heard it, but I was like, oh, dude, I need to play this song. All of it. It's called Versi Pelis, right? Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about that song. Talk a little bit about your influences as a musician. Then we'll go into the business part. Oh, yeah. Well, Versi Pelis is taken from an album Necrobreed. I think it was the, the album just before the last one that we we released this year. And uh, Versi Pelis, it's a uh, it's a Latin word to 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 express uh, uh, someone who, who take this skin off and take another one, change his skin. And uh, in the in the concept of the, the, the album Necrobreed, it was about some schizophrenic guy uh, stitching some animal skin to his to become one. Because yeah, there's actually another song that's a doppelganger, which is a similar concept. It's the same. It's a German word for somebody who changes shapes. Shape shifts. You've got Leatherface. You got Reptilian. So seems like you've got a lot of songs in that in in that concept. Um, how like when when was the first year like when were you created as a as a as a band? And um, give a little bit of the story of the of the not the company. Sorry, the band. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, well, so we started in uh, we started in nineteen ninety eight. And uh, at first, it was only you know some kind of uh, college band. We we started just for fun playing extreme metal. And uh, after the first album we recorded, we, we immediately were signed on the label, so which, which was a huge opportunity because we were, we were 18 or something at this, at this time. And uh, yeah, well, 22 years later, we released something like nine studio albums and uh, one live album, one EP, and uh, we toured almost, almost everywhere around the world. So we are very lucky to see a lot of things and meet a lot of people. And, enjoy many many shows that's why the, the situation now is even more frustrating but we have a new album since april and that because of uh, corona we cannot uh, we cannot promote it on stage and that's a huge frustration to end up with actually that's one of the things i wanted to talk about the music industry has been reinventing itself a lot and some of the times it's based because of the crisis right um so you guys went around we're around in 2008, when we had this brutal economic crisis worldwide, right? 
And it was more or less a time when people started paying for Spotify, right? We changed. We always have been using like peer-to-peer exchange files. You know, some bands liked it, some bands didn't. It helped to spread the industry. But of course, like it affected the economy of the distributors, the labels, and even the, the bands themselves. So whereas before you used to make more money out of CDs and records, after that situation, not so much, but there's other merits. It's more like uh, comes from touring, right? Uh, how did you leave that as a band? Like, can you, do you remember 2008, 2009, what changes when, how that affected your your business as a band? Of course, the, when when you when you want to sell CDs and that uh, a label trusts you to sell as much CDs to give you good money to record album to spend to spend time in studio and all that stuff, it, it, it's all a, it's all a circle. It works in circles. So the more you sell CDs, the more the label is happy and the more it gives you money to to do good products. Uh, and after after the crisis, of course, the sales for of CDs were very down. And uh, the only way we had to make money at this period was already to to tour as much as we could, to 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 sell merch, to 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 receive some money from the concert, and uh, fortunately in metal we have the luck that uh, the fans are very loyal and dedicated fans, and that uh, wearing band shirt is something very important for a metalhead. So we are lucky that it's it's an industry that keeps going very well, and that people comes to you to buy some merch when you're playing. And uh, it, for now, I would say that's the main uh, main way to make money that we've got as a band but however most people in bands unless they are really really big like let's say uh, uh, machine head for instance right one of one of our favorite bands i know you're you're also into into them right yeah. uh you cover one of their songs you cover uh Tentum hammer right uh, old old i think it was like old, you know, yeah old yeah and uh, once you reach that stage you can leave off only of the profits of the band Right, and even it's still difficult for them because maybe they they need to do a tour. They go on tour for one, two years, then they make sufficient money to live off three years in which they're supposed to record new stuff, to take a break, you know, to kind of like enjoy time with their families. Because after one, two, three years in the road, sometimes you know you you got to make enough economic cushion to sustain yourself for a while. Um, but it's not yet your case, right? So you guys keep your side jobs and. When when is when does it usually reach that point in which you can leave off the profits of the band? Like, uh, how many bands do you know on average that they only leave off the band money? Well, actually, I, I don't know much. Even even the big death metal bands, it's very difficult for them. Actually, in BIT, maybe it's a bit special because all the money that we got from the shows and the merch is for the band, and we don't we don't take any salary from BIT. So, for example, not playing is not affecting our. Uh, or a quality of living. Because, for example, I'm a nurse, I work at full time, and all my holidays are for benighted, and sometimes I also take days off without being paid from my uh, from the hospital, but I don't take money from benighted to replace that. It's just, you know, I, I really love to tour, it's my passion, and uh, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not feeling bad losing a bit of money to, to be able to live this passion, because the band makes enough money, but Touring is has no cost for us, which is already very good for an extreme metal band. Because, for example, touring to the uh, going on tour to the US, it's uh, it's some kind of investment like ten thousand dollars or something. So you you have to be very very prepared to have this kind of money for the band if you want to live that kind of experience. Of of course you can have it back when if you sell good, if the shows are are successful. <coughs> but uh, if you um, for example, all the money you invest just to get the, the work license for the US, you know, the visa to work, uh, you can invest a lot of money, uh, hire a lawyer and everything, but they can just say, no, denied. And all this money is just lost. So if you, I don't know, ordered merch in the US or already gave some money in advance to, to rent a nightliner or something, everything is lost. So it's, it's, it's pretty dangerous financially talking, and that's good to have a bit of backup in money to be able to, to compensate by it in case it happens. But, so you're not taking a salary because I assume all of the members of the band are partners of the band. Like, how did you create that? Because some bands have got their full-time members, but they have some, you know, kind of like guest or touring musicians that you got to pay them for a tour or just to record a couple albums with you, things yeah. like that. How's your model? Actually, we just have only only Kevin the drummer because it's his job. So he's the only one to get, to being uh, for, 
is the only one getting paid in Benighted for, oh, for yeah. the shows. All the other ones, we just handle it with our regular jobs, and it, it works fine. Of course, it takes a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice, but at least, you know, when I, I meet a, a, a crisis like this, like the pandemic, it, it doesn't affect my uh, my, my quality of, uh, of, of life, uh, financially talking, and I'm very happy about that because I remember how many people told me, maybe you should do... You should do benighted your full-time job, and I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want that. My, uh, but my life depends on benighted. Benighted is my passion. It's not at the same level, and I don't want to earn any money from benighted. And uh, today, when I look backwards, I'm like, I think that was a good decision to make because oh, a- I'm pretty safe now. I'm lucky about it. Oh my God. Like when I hear to your CDs, it's like, I understand why you pay the drummer because after playing at that, at that speed, like he will, he will destroy his knees and his elbows and his joints in (laughs) five years. Like, I don't think this is sustainable over time, but jokes aside, it's it's very important that you took this commitment because otherwise when, you know, the the bad, bad times come, at least you're not affected. Right. I've heard, I've heard some news that some of the bands are my favorite band. Uh, Mastodon, I read it, that they are collecting unemployment money in the U.S. because they're like, we cannot tour, we make this big commitment, like they had some things going on, and and all the plans went to hell because of the because of the pandemic, right? What? How did it affect you? Like right now, this this crisis. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into the business model of kind of like the industry or how's it working with you. So you had to cancel a ton of shows. We were expecting to meet at in Norway at the Inferno Metal Festival. Yeah, I would have loved that. But yeah, for, for this year, especially because uh, we released an album uh, in April this year. So definitely the best way to promote an album is not to release it during a pandemic. <laughs> no. We, we, had, <laughs> we had to cancel 52 shows this year. Wow. So we played only two shows in 2020. And uh, of course, there's a lot of investment. You know, for example, I, I, uh, I ordered a lot of merch for the, for the tours. And I have for several, really several thousands of uh, of euros of merch uh, at home, waiting for waiting for being sold. Fortunately, the, our fans were very, very uh, helpful and ordered a lot when it was difficult that we couldn't do. But I still have a lot of of stuff that I I, sh- I should sell touring and not just waiting in my fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> you got a room full of that, I assume, right? Actually, I have a full cabin of that. Yeah, I have a cabin dedicated to the United merch, and everything oh, is in Jesus. there. <laughs> oh Jesus! Like it reminds me, you know, in in our company, Marsbase, we have no office, right? Which is really yeah. good if you want to work remotely, but it's really bad when you want to keep stuff, right? And we have sure. a lot. We have some merch as well that we give to our employees, to our clients, and I've got that in a room. One room of my house is only Marsbase stuff, so I yeah. I feel your pain. But how about like in terms of? You know, finance, as you said, like you're not spending money if you're not touring, but at least you, you gotta, I'm pretty sure you gotta pay for some things, right? Because maybe it's like the production of the album. I don't know how that works. So maybe you, you kind of like pay yeah. it off, but you pay up front or you pay it afterwards, recovering a little bit with the sales. What other promotion, merch, like all of those things? How isn't that affected by the pandemic as well? Of course, it was affected by that. Because, but the thing is that we get from the albums, we get the royalties pay, paid by the label. Yeah, um, we got uh, we got our money, like you know, like offers or musicians. But when you when you have the rights, you know, for the for the lyrics or for the music, you get paid, of course. But uh, that's all. <laughs> that's just what, so. For now, we just uh, we try to invest in some uh, other uh, other ways. To, to promote Benighted, because for now we cannot promote it by touring. Uh, but we have we are lucky that so far it doesn't cost a lot. But we, we try to, you know, keep some things, uh, to have updates and new things to, to bring up to our fans, uh, uh, considering, of course, that it's not, uh, it's not uh, live stuff, it's not, uh, it's not shows. And one of the things that might change, because you released the album, like when it was, you know, it was starting to hit, right? In the, or like in the beginning of, of, of this year, right? Um, but I heard from a, a couple of musicians. I remember one of them was Matt from Trivium saying that maybe from now on, because you don't need to compile 15 to 20 songs, something like that in an album, because now you live off the streaming, not so much album sales. So maybe it makes more sense 
to launch shorter album albums or release songs more often. And that's it. And maybe the traditional format of the CD doesn't really make sense anymore. What do what do you think about it? This is something you you are going to explore with Benighted? Actually, we already tried it this year. Uh, I mean, I, I'm an old school guy, so of course I'm very sad about uh, uh, full albums to disappear because it's my it's yeah. my it's a culture of my youth, and you know, having this uh, this subject, this product in my hand, I, I, I remember uh, how passionate I was to receive an album from a band I was waiting for one or two years, for example, and. You, when you receive it, you dissect everything, you know, the, the booklet, every song, the title, the lyrics, and all this, <laughs> all this side uh, totally disappeared now because the songs that we released are just one more product that maybe some people will have a luck to see, to see live on that. Uh, it doesn't have the same meaning for me, and I, of course I feel sad about it. But we, we tried this year um, to, to make two singles. For example, the first one we released it, we released it in August because we have a venue in Lyon, close where where I live, uh, and the owners are very good friends of us, very great fans from United and people that we know for I don't know at least 20 years, and uh, they are in very deep financial difficulties. That's why we decided to to write a single single song and uh, put it on Bandcamp, make a video for that so people can hear it, discover it. And then uh, ask people to download it on on Bandcamp and give money to support our friends from this venue and help them financially. Talking, uh, we are now working on another project which will be out for Halloween normally because we want nice. to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds scary. Yeah, but actually, it's it's supposed to be, but you know, always scary, but at the second degree. <laughs> okay, tell me more about that. I, I didn't I didn't get it. What do you mean there? Uh, the thing is that we, we wanted to celebrate some party and Christmas was a bit too far. And we said, hey, Halloween, as it's a horror, you know, culture and everything, we, sh we should, we should uh, release a new song for Halloween. So we took the, we took the full concept and uh, we, we, we dig it very, very, very deep uh, because we kind of raped the, <laughs> the Halloween movie theme for this track. You, you will see. And uh, we we made also a, a new shirt, a new new shirt design, uh, talking about Halloween and at the same time uh, about Obscene Repressed, our last album. So oh my on, God. on Halloween, both will be released at the same time. So we you you will you will see and you will listen to it if you want. It's a gr it's, it's a grind it's version movie. of Nightmare Before Christmas. This is Halloween, the Absolutely, song. Yeah. Oh Absolutely. my God! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God! That uh, so that's a. Are you dropping an exclusive here? This is some news, or <laughs> I think so because I don't think I don't think we told anyone so far. So you're the first one. <laughs> oh my god! Well, it's going to be out in a couple of weeks, so perfect timing for Halloween. Let me just shovel this for for Halloween because that would be that would be fantastic. Oh my god! So thank you for the exclusive. I, I think it's the first Absolutely. time we got an exclusive in the show. So uh, what other things have you <laughs> tried? Actually, um, I was going to ask because I've seen we've seen bands, you know. Trivium were one of the first, you know, they're they're huge on the on the on gaming, and they were on tweets way before this, right? So they're streaming shows, but they were actually, I think, where they were probably one of the first bands to do a paid show, live streamed with a like a focused production um, and a very specific set of you know uh, techniques and all of that. It was it was really good. It was like ten bucks, so maybe it's way cheaper than a concert for us. But because instead of having four thousand people in a city. They can have 30,000 people online or 60,000, or I don't know what their audience is, right? Is this something that you guys are also working on? Or what other innovations are you looking to get? Well, for now, we are more focused on uh, making uh, audio music because uh, I personally have some, uh, I'm not very, I'm not a huge fan of live stream so far, even if maybe it will become the only thing that we can get in the following years. But I'm, I'm pretty sure Benighted won't, won't be a part of it because I prefer releasing very cool uh, music video, you know, with a concept, with actors and everything that has a meaning and more like more looks like a movie. But uh, that live stream show for me, it's not. Uh, I, I, I don't see myself playing a whole band, um, whole show in front of uh, of cameras and everything. So if other bands like it, uh, I understand that, but I don't. <laughs> I told recently something that I think was was taken pretty bad by some people. I, I told on an interview that for me, live stream was the 
was <laughs> on today's seven live stream for me it was like it was a bit like uh, watching porn when you can't have a proper sexual relationship yourself you know yeah yeah <laughs> the compare the shows and the live stream for me is like watching porn instead of having sex yourself <laughs> it, it helps with the distance because you guys are in france and we're in barcelona so there's there's distance, you know, it's kind of, where we can't have the real thing yet and there's a lot of restrictions. I'm pretty sure uh, we will be able to enjoy our concerts sometime S sooner than later, I expect, but have you have you got any, any, any idea? What's your suspicion as to when we'll be able to get back to concerts? Well, next year, normally it's September. We are, we, we should, um, end of, of September, we should have a very big tour and it, it will, it will, it will be in Spain as well. So nice. Let's hope, let's hope that COVID will be behind us at this moment and that we can tour normally. And uh, so I will be very happy to see you and party with you, buddy. And one of the things that, you know, you mentioned something. Let's, let's talk a little bit circling back to what you said about raising funds for this. Uh, for this um, for this place in Lyon, right? Um, that's something that we've seen a lot. And traditionally, music has been a great way for artists just because you've got the exposure. Maybe you're not a celebrity like Mariah Carey, but you're well-known in the industry, right? Uh, your band has been around for, you said it, uh, 20 years. And and who doesn't know Benighted, right? If you don't know Benighted, but you're into like brutal death metal or grind and all that, you know the guys, you know the French guys with Julian who walks on stage always barefoot, plays his concerts barefoot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know for what reason, but maybe you guys have got an exposure level and a and a fan base. So maybe you can do this little project. Maybe music could be helped. Uh, sorry, could be used as a leverage to raise funds for certain causes, right? Which in turn, it's part of your marketing because maybe you reach new people. They're like, oh, these guys are cool. Maybe I don't like their music that much, or it can grow on me. But they did this cool thing. They helped one of yeah, my favorite venues. So what other things are you doing in, in investing in marketing? Is there something you're doing to increase your brand in any creative ways? Well, for now, we didn't figure it out because we, uh, we, we just thought about our friends who were, who were in financial difficulties. Of course, if we have uh, other people who need our help for any cause that we find uh, uh, good to support. Of course, we will do what we need, especially also because we all have our jobs. So we don't. United doesn't need money. Uh, doesn't need money at this time. Yeah, you're right. Uh, personally talking, not, not not the band, but the guys playing in the band. We 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 have money from a from a regular job, so we are not in danger. So if we can help anyone uh, with uh, with United, of of course we will do it because. Uh, it, it's a good way to support people who sometimes work very, very hard, but in the dark side. For example, the guys from the new we helped, I know that they spent so many hours and so much money in this venue in Lyon, which is just now the, the perfect venue for extreme metal bands to play because it's very difficult. You know, you have very, very small clubs yes. or very big, very big venues, and it's the perfect average size for all metal, extreme metal bands to play in. So, right. They, I know these guys does they don't do it for money because they are dedicated person and they do they do really everything with a heart and with passion and these kind of guys for me that's that's exactly the kind of people we want to help with the name of benighted if it's possible but well on the one side it's good that you guys are not under the pressure of having to generate money that means mm -hmm. that money is never you know a driving um, position in what you do and it keeps the music yeah. more true at heart right but maybe because you're not desperate your creativity is not ignited right a lot of people it's like you know when oh, there's yeah. hunger you get more creative right so how do you how do you balance these things why do you think like this is well, on yeah you see i will being being creative and uh i don't know how to say that in a good way but the thing is that between being creative and uh, try to sell a bit your soul because you desperately want to to make money are two different things for me. Yeah. And I'm happy about the first part of it. Uh, of course, uh, if people find very cool ideas that I find authentic because I told you I'm an old, uh, I'm an old school guy and I really uh, support uh, things that comes in an authentic way and not only for making money, uh, I, I have no idea for now what new we could do 
to keep to keep this thing interesting and and uh, like helping people and uh, make our fans happy at the uh, at the same time. Uh, we will think about it, but for now we have no clue about it. We just make what we do, uh, what we know. That means we we make music. <laughs> and but for for now only the only the only way that we we realize ourselves uh, it's to make new songs for now. And we will see in few weeks if we can do something else if some id comes up and uh, we'll see how we can make it work how about because one of the things that i was wondering right I'm, i'm a huge fan of concerts as you as you know and i like it when you know there's two types of bands there's the bands like you know maybe it's more like complex stuff or they always play the same fucking set list for the tour like you take one tour is like night after night They play exactly the same set list because they want to nail it. They're perfectionists. Maybe they got a contract or like, a you know, the labels tell them like, you got to play this many songs from this album, this many songs, blah, 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 whatever. And there are, some, there are other bands who they don't give a fuck or maybe they're more creative about it, right? And they shuffle the things and then like they play a cover here and then they play another version of this song they never released. They like to, to mix it up a little bit. I'm thinking this maybe it's more usual in in the punk industry but even metallica like to kind of like change the set list from from mm -hmm. from concert to concert and sometimes in the latest gigs they've been they've been playing one song from each city they're going to they play like one mm -hmm. local song which is incredible right um but how about like professionalizing a little bit more the bootleg industry right because we as fans we we used to record and exchange the bootlegs because They oftentimes they give like that version of this song or an unreleased song. You never released that song on CD, but you used to play it on stage. Or uh, this intro was different on stage. Or you used to play this cover song uh, in concert, right? But never in CD. So is this something that you see? Maybe it's a it's a viable thing. Well, I think it's a, actually a very good idea from what you say because if you know that every show is kind of unique. Uh, it, it makes it even more special. So I think, yeah, that's a, that's a very good idea. We, the way we work, as we only very far one from, uh, from the others uh, in United, is that we, we all agree on a set list, and when we're on tour, we play exactly the same set list every night. We don't, we, we don't uh, leave uh, uh, space for uh, improvisation, for example, to put uh, another track if we didn't work on it before, because we, we mm -hmm. like things to get very well done. But actually, Great. it would be very, very interesting to to think about a special thing every night. Maybe, maybe for maybe for a song, or maybe for something happening on stage, or I don't know. But that's something that could be very interesting. And you know, I think that maybe keeping the same set list, but making something special on stage, for example. Yeah. You know, like jokes between musicians, like we love to do. For example, when we tour, we record it. We always love to, 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 to give each other a hard time, you know, by making jokes on stage and put the other ones in a bad situation. So that's the kind of things that, uh, that you, you keep in your mind after a tour or even when you go to a show and you see something very stupid happening on stage, you say, what the fuck are they doing? Why these other musicians come on stage with us? And why do they, they do this thing together? Uh, that's the thing that you, you remember of a, of a Of a unique right. show, and you you feel lucky to uh, to 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 have been there and enjoy this because you know that it, it won't happen anywhere else. So maybe that's a very good idea to work on. Yeah, you feel more special as a as a you know as a person of the yeah. audience. I mean, I remember like don't blame me. I used to listen to power metal, so there was a, I, I remember oh, going to Stradivarius song, uh, Stradivarius concert. They came out in in FC Barcelona shirts. And they played the Catalan national anthem on the keyboards. I was like, you know, they're not going to do this in Madrid. <laughs> right? So it felt really special. It was like, wow, I felt so lucky to have been here. Or when Creator played the number of the Beast by Iron Maiden, only in Barcelona, right? And I was like, wow, that that's that's amazing. Um, but uh, and or for instance, because um, you know, you're going to do fewer shows. Uh, for a while until we get back to touring we're going to do fewer shows right so maybe instead of having one show every night for six months which would be i don't know I don't, i'm not good at math let's put like 150 shows in six months right maybe you do once per week once every two weeks on streaming and then you know for halloween you can dress up uh, as the, the guys in the nightmare before christmas or as the misfits right i i, I saw that yeah, in the concert. I it was really good right um so uh, do you also like 
what other kinds of creativity can can you guys do on stage? You said you mentioned like you do jokes, right? But like, well, on stage, if you have a, a fixed set, what where can you improvise? Actually, you, so you don't have any sort of improvisation. If things go wrong, you know, uh, one of the guys forgets the intro to a song or something. What do you guys do in that in that case? Well, normally, fortunately, it never happens. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> You've but, never uh, been too drunk to forget about the songs, right? Why? Well, so it, it it happened, but we 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 always find a way to 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 follow our feet, you know. <laughs> so okay. At the end, normally it works. Um, well, I have no idea. I have and no people idea. in the audience usually are are drunker than you, so we don't care. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that it's always that we the, the things that I share with the crowd. For, for me, the things that I share with the crowd at the instant is the thing that makes it special because if the, if the, if the songs are the same, uh, what I share with the crowd is always very personal with the people I see in the crowd because most of the time I know some people in the crowd and I see some people reacting a lot. So the connection is made between us. I look at them. I know, I know, they, uh, I know that I see them. And what happens between us is what, for me, makes it very special at this moment. Because I, I, if I'm on stage, the, the, the main reason I'm on stage is to is to share what I've got with with the people who are here, and uh, even if it's nothing special that could be, for example, recorded, the feeling what we've got this uh, this emotional experience I've got with the people who are in the crowd, I think at, uh, at every time is very unique, and uh, and that's also the things that makes me keeps me motivated and uh, after 20, 22 years of touring that keeps me motivated and wants to tour even more it's meet new people and uh, see my old friends and enjoy every night uh, in a very special way that makes it unique that's something that's a really good point i was going to ask about stage presents right because you know a lot of people like a lot of people don't know how to talk in in public or maybe how to act let's put it like to to give us like an analogy between your sector and my sector right we we talk in conferences sometimes we go on stage and there's like i don't know 100 people in the audience maybe it's a thousand if you go to big conference like web summit you might even have like 35,000 people in front of you right but that's something you acquire right um uh, one of the things I re one of the reasons why you are here and uh, it's because I got to meet you right in the in uh, I think it was in Vienna right in Vienna in the in the metal Vienna festival something like that um, it was really cool. meeting, yeah. yeah usually yeah. we think musicians are people you don't hang out with whereas you we have a common friend and we're like okay let's have some beers uh, I you know introduce to each other we talked it's like wow these guys are so down to earth and then uh, hours afterwards you guys were playing the concert and you were you know you were looking at us, you were interacting with us, maybe with everybody else in the audience, but also because, you know, your friends were there. It was good. So yeah. after touring for so many years, maybe, is that something that you would recommend to people? What 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 secrets have you got to have a good interaction with the audience? Well, I think that's a part of my personality uh, before everything. Uh, yeah. You have to know is that I, I'm, I've been for 17 years a, a rugby player Wow, and uh, I can tell by that, the you know the complexity. <laughs> 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 but, but that's that's exactly the same spirit we've got in this sport that we have in med. But, but at least what I defend is that we have, we have the violence uh, during the game you know, was, was very kept in a code, you know, like for music for the concerts and on the field with with the rugby. Oh. But all the people who are here are here to have a good time to enjoy a good time together. And there is only positive feelings, positive emotions. It's very, it's a very familiar atmosphere. And uh, after the concert, even even if you fought very hard with someone, you can drink a beer with him and laugh about who was the first to punch me over <laughs> and all that stuff. And that's something that I really love, and I love to share things with people very simply. You know, as as an actor, I mean, as a singer on stage and as a player on the field, but also as a fan of. Uh, all the, the atmosphere that exists in this scene, which is, uh, I, I totally, I totally get the thing about the rugby, right? You know, rugby players that they, they beat the shit out of each other in the field, but after the game yeah. they go and have drinks together with the opposing team, right? It's uh, and which is which is funny because I was, you know, for people who might be reading the song titles of Benighted right now, they'll be like, this guy is a nur a nurse, but he's got songs like. 
you know, experience your flesh, carnivore sublime, let the blood spill between my broken teeth, slaughter suicide, things like that. It's like, wow, that's a, bit, that's a little bit intense, right? Of course, <laughs> you wouldn't be playing acoustic sets for uh, for charity, right? That's like, that's something you have ruled out. Oh, yeah, especially if I have to sing with clean vocals. <laughs> Would be would be innovation. That would be definitely definitely innovation. Let's talk a little bit about the the technology in the bands. I mean, we've talked enough about like economics, but um, how do you guys? I mean, I take it that part of it is the label, but they're bands who self produce, right? They they produce themselves, and so yeah. how do you how do you deal with it? What technology is involved in running a metal band today? Well, we have, of course, for the albums, we have the label who's handling almost everything in the production. They pay for everything, uh, considering the albums. And for the for the booking, we have two bookers. We have one uh, only for France because he knows he has all the connection in the with the promoters in France. And we have one international uh, booker, which um, who actually lives in Vienna, in in Austria. All right. And, uh, yeah, and works for Redback Promotion, and uh, is in the league of the international part of the booking. Um, so yeah, I would say that we it's like um, how can I how can I call it? It's like a giant network where a lot of actors are playing ar around United and helping the band develop everything. For example, for the merch, I work with several great designers, and yeah. uh, they, um, they 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 help us also. Uh, improve the quality of the, of the visuals for benighted because they know the band we 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 become friends pretty pretty quick i mean as it's not my job i love to work with people that i can trust you know people that i feel have the same uh, kind of thinking i've got and uh, have uh, this passionate side of the work so uh, yeah i would say that all around benighted you have Many many companies or uh, or guys work hard to make it bigger and more professional and with uh, better designs, for example, to promote for the band and make the fans happy. Dude, your designs are sick. Like they're sick in the sense that they are sick, like mentally sick, but they're sick as in really really fucking good. Like they are one of my favorite designs in the in the industry. Um, but how about? Social media, for instance, right? That also requires technology. And I know you guys are on Twitter, maybe not super active on social media, but who does it? Like, is this something you hire somebody to do it? There's somebody in the band specifically, or you all share the same logins? And how do you do it? Actually, it's only, for example, for all the social medias, it's uh, our bassist, Pierre, and our guitarist, Fabien, who take care of it. Great. So we, we, we all have separated... Uh, jobs for the band in Benighted, so everything is very clear because, you know, on Messenger, if you have five guys who are possibly uh, able to answer, at the end, no one's answer because everyone will think that the other one will do that and blah, blah, blah. So everything is very clear. Pierre, our bassist, answers uh, uh, Instagram. F Fabian is answering Facebook, uh, Messenger and, uh, and Twitter also. Okay. So everything is very clear. If you need something from me, for example, you just contacted me and said, Julian, can you answer directly? Because I guess it's a question for you and it works very well like that. Because you're, you're, you, you said you're old school. You're not into, you're not very active on social media. No, no, I, 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 I'm active on my Facebook page and my Instagram yeah. page, most, but I, I would say that's all. For example, Twitch. That's a lot. First time I, that's, <laughs> that's the first time I hear that and I, 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 I'm, I'm definitely not very good at it, and I, I know a few about all the, the new social medias, really. How about, like, how do, how do you know? That's one question I have for pretty much every band. How do you know how big your audience is? Like, is there any way you can sort of know? Like, radio stations, they have maybe their means, but they're also like, oh, we've got 7 million listeners, right? How do you know it as a band? I have no idea. The only thing sometimes that I got, for example, is the, the Spotify French metal band, you know, uh, results of the, the yeah. listings. And I was very surprised to realize that in all, all kinds of metals, uh, there was, of course, at first, Gojira. Uh, yeah. Second, second were... were um, uh, what's their name? 
I know a few, but they're probably smaller than that. Like it could be like Blue Dog Snore, things like that. But I don't know. Uh, Rise of a North Star. <laughs> Rise which of one? a North Star. Ah, okay, Rise yeah. of a North Star. And we we are number three. So wow. for me, it was a huge surprise because we are very, very extreme. We are not very easy to listen to. And no. being number three in the whole French scene for us, it's a, it's a, it's a huge thing. That Congratulations. So Spotify is what you would use to kind of like calculate audiences? Because I guess it gives you analytics and things yeah, like that, right? It's just an example. It's just an example. I, I, I have no idea. I couldn't tell uh, how many people are following us because it's, it's always hard to tell, you know, because what you see on the internet is not always the truth. But the yeah. only thing that I can say is, for, for example, I, uh, we never did, <laughs> I will never understand this thing to to buy some likes or to buy some views on YouTube and this kind yeah. of thing. That's something that, as an old school guy, I will never agree with because for me, it's really cheating and bluffing and uh, it's not in my, uh, really not in my spirit and I really don't like that. When, when bands do that, I really don't like that. And it's not organic. It's not. It's not true, right? So no, no, um, it's only it's only bluffing about the size of your band. But I, I prefer having you know like one thousand people uh, following us and reacting on us and and uh, and that I can interact with. <clears throat> having, for example, ten millions, and you you only have uh, one hundred people who actually are interesting in your bands. But the numbers shows that you have one million views or one million followers. Or what can I say? And uh, and you can easily see that the reactions are way lower than the, the amount of followers. So you, you 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 it's easy to see when someone is cheating or not. Yeah. Also, I mean, from a business standpoint, if you don't know where your users are, you don't know where to place your bets, right? If you knew that most of our users come from the website or from Spotify, you would invest in that. You would just like you know maybe create more content or curate it better or like be more interactive with the people there than say fucking Instagram doesn't give us any any listeners or any people because we know it but you don't know it therefore it must be really hard you're taking like you're stabbing in the in the dark all the time right so is there is there any any action that you've done like maybe I don't know we we put this section on the website work really well or is there any action beyond putting out albums that has worked really well for you guys in terms of growing your fan base? No. No. no, no. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty ignorant in that. And to, to be honest, I'm, I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, prefer, I prefer seeing the, the, uh, the, the amount of people coming to the shows increase, you know, but that's what I love to see. But uh, people following us at distance, I mean, it's easy to find us anywhere and uh, I don't, I don't work on making us bigger by the, by uh, by ways I I barely know. If you, I mean, that's most that was the job of a label, for example. They, they they can advise me if I want, for example, for a track to have a, a larger uh, exposure. They they will tell me nowadays this works, this works, this works. So we'll do it this way, this way, and this way. But I I don't have the knowledge for that. And speaking about the label, maybe that's that's a that's a piece. Maybe maybe it's something you cannot disclose. But um, I take it that you've got certain commitments to the label because you said they pay for the production. You, I mean, you sign a contract for this many albums. They pay for the production of the albums, but then they want something in return, which is record sales, right? Obviously, record sales are gonna be shit this year. Maybe, right? Are they? Are they cognizant of that, this fact? I mean, are they actually adapting? The, the the metrics or the results you you've got to give them because of this pandemic are they more flexible about them or they say like you gotta sell all the same just be creative and fucking sell albums well which is funny is that actually that with this album we sold more because, wow. because of because of, I, I have no idea i think people have more time to to, to stay at home you know and so yeah. they need some stuff to entertain them staying at home so they bought some uh, they bought the new album especially our new album is pretty funny. I don't, I don't know if you if you saw this uh, this stupid gadget inside when when you open the the, the digipack, uh, you have my pig squeal jumping to your face like a like a birthday card. We we, we <laughs> I have. I don't buy CDs. I don't buy CDs anymore. Yeah. I gave it's, up. It's a, it's a very funny thing that works very very well because we oh, wow. we found we we wanted to find something very special and very benighted, you know. So at the same time brutal but stupid. So it has to be both. And uh, we had this idea. We were totally drunk at some party. I think it was in the <laughs> with the season of these guys. 
and we we said hey we should do this uh, you know this small box when you turn it upside down upside down you have the sound of a cow you know like oh my and we God. thought that would be amazing to do that a benighted customized one and when you turn it it does the no my picture <laughs> it's a great idea best idea ever if you're trying yeah. it's stupid it's useless so it will work <laughs> but but then you sobered up and then you what happened like did you actually well, do it redo it actually the the box was too complicated to build because the, uh, yeah. the, the call the call scream is it's uh it's something physical happening in the box yes. it's not, not electronic so we thought okay we have a we have a plan b for that let's do like a birthday card i mean when you the guys open the digipack to pick up the cd uh it just uh it, it makes a huge huge sound like <laughs> you have a big screen jumping to your face and people started to make a lot of videos and that jokes went viral about it. right oh my yeah God. Like, that's like really good scaring, scaring their kids or the animal with that with this big screen or even using that as an instrument i mean you you, you i saw some bands you know, real thing, and at, at some breaks, just open opening the, the box for a way, way, and boom, starting playing again. <laughs> it, it, it was a very stupid idea, but it worked very, very well. <laughs> oh my god! Which which makes me think that the main reason why I stopped buying CDs it's not because Spotify came around. I love having CDs, and I love having the booklets, and and some bands like, for instance, Pink Floyd or AFI. They they just like have some how you call it like like some some like some hidden stories that in order to connect like the new release of the, of the new CD, you got to go back to the old CD, find this story, like find these numbers hidden there, things like that. Listen to a hidden track and whatever. And then you will find out the name of the next album. Right. So, but the main reason why I stopped buying them is because CDs are perishable after 20 years, they don't work. Right. Which is fucking stupid. But I buy a lot of merch. Like whatever I don't spend on CDs, I buy T-shirts in every concert. Like buy, I buy box sets just because they come with drumsticks or like guitar picks yeah. or something like that. So, is this something that we can expect also from from Benighted or from the industry in general to produce more merch and fewer CDs because CDs fucking die? Yeah, I think so. I think so. For example, I don't know. We 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 thought about making something very stupid again. Some puzzles. Puzzles. Because I fucking, I fucking, what I love the French results. people with puzzles. All my French friends have love puzzles. Why? Really? Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's some, you know, it's some psychological work that we enjoy to, but we enjoy, we really enjoy, you know, thinking this way and try to solve it. It's very, it's very, it's very and it's very relaxing at the same time. But as for example, you know, uh, for example, lots of people like flags or, uh, yeah. or posters or something. And yes. I thought, yeah, make make a puzzle, for example. It's like you have to build it, so it's a it's a funny moment. And at the end, you, you can put it on your wall as well. Because I, I really love uh, the, the artworks that the designer we're working in are doing for us. Yeah. And uh, I thought making a poster, yeah, it can be cool, but making a puzzle can be very good as well because you have all the process to build it before having it on your wall. And it's it's some kind of object that doesn't have anything to deal with music, just with the, the visual of the of the band. But I, I am sure it would it, it would work perfectly. They last longer, actually, because if you buy like sometimes you buy all these flags and they kind of like yeah. die out because yeah. of the like the sun and whatever. So I mean, uh, totally to that point. Uh, yesterday I learned that Machine Cat had put out uh, some face masks, and I went to the website. I bought face masks, and while I was at it, I bought ten other things just because yeah. you know we want to consume stuff. We want to help them, right? We want to help the bands. We want to buy more merch. So maybe investing more in merch, now it's a good idea. People who buy T-shirts last for, what, five years? If you're into metal, they last for 30 years or 40 years, right? <laughs> and <laughs> They end up great, but it works anyway. <laughs> especially Megadeth ones. Megadeth ones are always great. But uh, but I don't know why. Like, but you, we used to buy CDs that we would only play until the next CD came out, right? So maybe we could invest more in things that are long-term. Um we want to wrap this up because we're already approaching the one hour mark and a couple questions just to finish this, right? Uh, one, of, one, of, one of them is we like for our speakers to share the biggest fuck up they've ever done. What's the biggest fuck up you've ever done at Benighted? And if so, if you can also quantify how much money you squandered in it. 
fuck up, you mean investment, but thank yes, you Yeah, something that went really wrong, an experiment that went really wrong, something you didn't prepare for and it failed or, yeah. Ah, you, but you mean financially talking, for example, it's not me falling on stage, for example. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume that happens quite a lot if you're barefoot, right, and drunk singing on stage. No, it's more like, like, a, like a big conceptual thing, maybe let's say like, more like business stuff or, or we booked with the wrong label, we were ripped off by an Asian, something like that. Well, we are, we are lucky that no, nothing like that happened. I'm thinking about it, but... Something about marketing that didn't work or, you know, playing oh, no, an offensive no, song somewhere. <laughs> no, no. The, the funny thing is that, for, for example, when we were touring in the US, I made some uh, benighted leggings, like overall leggings from the, from the, the album Necrobreed. And uh, I think there was a mistake somewhere, but I received only small and extra small yeah, so, not for the US. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is that when, when we, I, I think I got them in Los Angeles for the show in, in Los Angeles. And when I saw the size, I was like, oh my God, we have, we are, I don't know, like 100 of leggings. And I said, okay, we'll maybe sell four of these and we will see. But I was very surprised for the, the, the very last evening. Uh, some pretty, pretty large girls arrived. Yeah. And I said, hey, I want the leggings. Uh, yeah, but I have to warn you, it's small size. And uh, she took it and she was like, it will work. Okay. <laughs> but she, she, went, she went to the toilets to try it. She came back and it was really, really, I don't know how to say that, ready to explode, I guess. Uh. <laughs> she said, I love it. It fits me perfectly. I take it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> can, can you buy, I'll, I'll give you 90 more if you need them, right? For the same price. We sold almost everything because people didn't care about the size. So they say it's it's stretchable, so it should it should work. It's no problem. And I was, yeah. I, I, so I was very disappointed at the first time, but very happy at the end. <laughs> All right. And what's been your worst day as a musician or as an artist? What's been your worst day? Something you want to share? Some like ah, you know. Day. Uh, I think the, the worst day for me, uh, personally talking, it's not. It, it was not on tour. It was when Olivier, my best friend and co-founders uh, co of uh, Benighted, uh, told me that he, he wanted to quit because mm. he was too tired because of the infernal rhythm we we had in the band. And I think we we were we were at school together. We know each other for since we are ten, yeah. and uh, we we started Benighted like. A bit like a like a joke, you know, be, between young, young young teenagers, and and uh, it becomes so so big at some point. But with our regular jobs, touring all the weekends, taking very long holidays to be able to tour, he uh, got very tired of that. Very tired of that, and uh, I wasn't expecting uh, being able to continue benighted without him someday. So when he when he announced us. Uh, after a show in Sweden, I think it was at the airport. Hey guys, I have something to tell you. I uh, I want to quit the band because I, I'm too tired and I I can't follow anymore. I felt really like the the ground was opening under my feet, and I was like, what the what the fuck will I do? Because I I couldn't imagine myself continue without him in the band. And uh, we <clears> we we were just about to release Necrobreed, so we had to tour for it, of course. Yeah. So I said, no, I, I don't want to quit, and I can't quit now. We have a new album, and my my passion is still intact. So yeah, it was a very big morning to do uh, for me. I had a lot of grief and a big morning to do. I think that was maybe the, the saddest day for me uh, uh, in the in the in the benighted experience. But how do you deal with that? I mean, when a co-founder quits, uh, maybe in a band, it's easier. I don't know if you got like kind of like a contract or because I assume labels don't want to lose band members in between the their contracts, right? Uh, I can imagine my my two co-founders in in my company, and I know it's it's pretty different, but it might be the same. We've known each other since we were ten, right? So same story. It's the same. It's the same. Haven't known of us as quit, uh, but it would be really painful. But then again, in in our case, we got a you know we got a partner's agreement, right? Um, and there's there's a contract, and then, you know, there's kind of like a lot of things to, to go here and there, right? How how did it work in a band? Like, because I assume you got, you split money, you got the rights of the songs, who wrote which song. How does that work when a permanent member, or even a founder of a band leaves? Well, as the royalties, for example, half of a band and not individual, it's not a problem. 
And uh, all the songs that uh, Olivier uh, wrote, he, he keeps receiving money for them. So it, it wasn't actually a problem. Uh, everything right. went very simply because there were, in, the, in the contract with Season of Mist, there was no no clause that uh, specified by the members had to stay in the band. We can change members. It's no problem as long as they, they have me, the vocal identity of the band, it's okay. And uh, it was more on a personal level that it was very difficult. Financially talking or uh, politically talking, everything was very easy and, and smooth. We had no problem with that. And let, let's wrap it up by asking you about the Brie, right? I mean, your famous, your famous scream. Yeah. There's this, this thing for the audience who will not know this because there are people, you know, who are, I'm pretty sure nobody listening <laughs> to Extreme Death Metal listens to this podcast, but they will from now on, right? And there's this, in your sector, in your genre of music, right, there's these kind of super high-pitched screams. There's brutal death metal, like, oscillates between super deep growls and then, yeah. like, this, I kind of do the high-pitched screams, right? How do you learn how to sing with this and how do you, like, did you, you took lessons, I guess, but, like, what do you do in order not to fuck up your voice forever? Well, I, at first, I never took any lessons for that. No. I just learned by myself in, in my car most of the time because people maybe not know, but this kind of, this kind of, uh, of uh, voc vocal practice, when you do it at home, you have to, to have very tolerant neighbors <laughs> because yeah. it's very loud and it's, very, it's, it's noise. It's noise. I mean, for example, my vocals, because I think most of the people don't know what I'm talking about, uh, yeah. I have one, two, three, four, five main Uh, kind of uh, of vocal. Can the we go one, through them? Can can you yeah, demonstrate sure. the five of them? I can. I can. Number so one, the first one. one is death metal pretty high, pretty low. It's Then I've got the high pitch, which is yeah, and um, something more hardcore. That's pretty. Hard, and then yeah. the last one, the big squeal. That one. that one, that one is the Brie. That's the Brie. How did the Brie story come come about? Like, just, just because you're French. Pretty, it come pretty stupidly because uh, I, I realized that I was doing the, oh, you know, this kind of voice. Yeah. And when, I, uh, when uh, for some words, where there's E inside, when I wanted to go down the E, It really sounds like a, like a pig that you <laughs> that you got, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's very funny. Let's let's use that as a gimmick. And uh, some some singers were trying to get close to that with inhaling vocals, but I only exhale to do to do the screams. I, I inhale. I can you do it exhaling? I, I, I thought it was inhaling all the time. I don't know. I, everything is exhaled. I inhale to do the, the high pitch. It, so that's oh my god, like. Yeah, my, my, lots of people in inhaling. But yeah, I do everything by exhaling, including my big squeal. And that's why, for me, uh, when I sing, every kind of, uh, of vocals I do are using my fake vocal cords. Not the, yeah. the, the spoken vocal cords, but the fake one above, who are more like uh, huge uh, membranes to, to, yeah. pro to protect the spoken vocal cords. And I went to a doctor, a throat doctor, who, uh, who put, uh, put in a camera in my, in my throat, and he told me, well, Your vocal cords are safe because you don't you don't use them when you scream, oh, and that's geez. also why I can do all my screams, as you saw, without any warm up, and uh, without hurting myself. I mean, I could yeah. be totally totally mute because of a cold. I can still do my. Oh my god! Which that's is a great it's a great comfort for a singer. Trust me. <laughs> It's a great comfort. Like I, I love karaoke, and then I fucking destroy my voice because I don't know how to sing properly, and you know. And sometimes I go for a growling style, and it's like, no, not not gonna happen. Uh, the next day, I'm, I'm, I don't. With, with, with this kind of techniques, you're you're pretty safe. What, of course, at first it yeah, hurts a bit. It's like a new muscle. You have to you have to get used to it. So of course, at first it's pretty it's pretty painful, but then perfect. You're safe. Yeah. For our audience, don't try with without an adult and supervision because you might fuck up your vocal cords. Um, Probably. Last minute for you, Julian. Anything you want to share with the audience? Talk about obscene repress. Talk about the new single. Something we need to know about Benighted. Sure. Thank you. Uh, well, no, first, thanks. It was a pleasure to to see you, Alex, and talk to you for this hour. And uh, well, for people who don't know who don't know us, maybe you can try to 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 listen to our new album, Obscene Repress. 
and uh, and all the beautiful love story about schizophrenia that's behind. Uh, because yeah, I'm a nurse, but I'm a nurse in psychiatry, so everything has to do with psychiatry in the United States. And uh, I hope that you will enjoy your Halloween, your upcoming Halloween, and that you will also enjoy this beautiful song <laughs> uh, taken from Nightmares in Elm Street. <laughs> Is there any? So, what's the most accessible song you've written that might be on Spotify for people who are not into this genre of music? I, I think none of them, right? But what would be the most, like, the softest song you've put out? Maybe smile and bleed. It's a pretty, it's a pretty slow one. Oh, maybe no. On the last album, you have the Starving Beast, which is not too, too speed and pretty easy to understand. I okay, think. perfect. All right, we can do that here straight through. Long Thank you, Alex. You too. See you soon, brother. Thank you to all our audience, and see you in the next episode. Bye bye. We are Mars based an all-remote consultancy from Barcelona, specializing in web and mobile development. We help all kinds of companies, from startups to big corporations, to conceptualize, design, and develop solutions for their business using technology. And now, how can we help you?